You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Leading Women in Tech Time. It's August, mid-August. I feel like I say that kind of thing a lot. This world just keeps ticking on by super fast, doesn't it? Today, we're talking about what happens when you don't celebrate yourself. More importantly, what happens if you're waiting for somebody else to celebrate you? But before we do that, I want to give you a little life update. The summer is slowly but surely coming to an end here in Scotland, uh, mid-August, is a time we've got a few weeks left of the summer holidays and the the days are still gloriously sunny but it's definitely a little bit darker in the evenings. As you all know I live in Scotland and one of the things I love about Scotland is how light it is in the evenings and that's definitely changing but I feel like the summer days are just coming to an end and that is making me so excited <laughs> because September, September is for me a kind of yearly reset it's actually more powerful for me than January because in January there's all the, so much to do. There's so many things to go and see and you've just had a cold, dark couple of weeks and it's actually going to be cold and dark for a few more weeks. Okay, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you're probably not feeling that way, <laughs> but that's how many of us in the Northern Hemisphere feel. <laughs> and plus there's so much pressure in January to do all the things like a health kick to, um, you know, learn a new skill to, you know, take up a new sport or whatever it is. September is a calmer reset for me. It's not more focused. I don't have a whole year ahead of me. I've got four months and I feel like that is a time to say, hey, what can I actually get done this year? In January, you feel like the sky is the limit because it's a whole year ahead. And we all know that feeling of you get to the middle of the year and you think, what happened to my goals from January? <laughs> Some of us get to the end of January and think, uh, what happened to my goals for this year? Like it's already petered out. But I think because September through to December is shorter. And for many of us, December is more about ticking along and enjoying rather than actually achieving a huge amount of success. So really we're talking three months. And that is the sort of time frame that our heads can get around. We understand 12 weeks Go check out the episode about 12-week year if you want to learn more about that, by the way. But I think it's just something we can really, truly get our heads around. So I'm really looking forward to September because I have a lot of plans for really digging into my strategy, my own professional development, what we're going to be doing for the rest of the year, and also putting in plans, well, more concrete plans for 2023. I already have my plans for 2023 because I'm that kind of lady. <laughs> As a leader, you should be too, by the way. You should have professional plans you should have personal plans. In the same way that I bet your business has a 2023 plan, they have a probably a five-year plan as well. You should have that for yourself, my love. But I get excited about, okay, it's right here right now. What am I going to do? And September is coming. Oh, I'm getting excited. I hope you are too. But let's dig into today's topic. What happens when you don't openly celebrate your own achievements? Well, 
when you wait for others to praise you, if you don't, as I like to say, toot your own horn, (laughs) my question to you always is, who's going to do it for you? So many of us put our heads down and we work hard and we think we'll get noticed. And so many women come to work with me because of burnout that is underpinned by working harder, working more, just work, work, work. Somebody is going to notice me at some point. They are the best at what they do. Although there's often a bit of self-doubt in there, which I think is amplified by not getting the recognition. But to be brutally honest, you're not getting the recognition because you're not telling people what you are doing. You're not celebrating your own achievements publicly and openly. When we don't take the time to celebrate ourselves and share that, we're damaging our own credibility for multiple reasons. First of all, most of what we do is not noticed. It is just a fact. Get over it. (laughs) That's what I want to say to you. (laughs) I want to say that with a whole load of love though. Get over it. (laughs) I don't know if that sounds like it's a lot of love, but I do mean that with lots of love. It is uncomfortable to admit for many of us, but most of what you do does not get noticed. Uh, A lot of the executives I work with, one of the adjustments that they make as they land that first executive position is that the feedback you get at that level is generally negative. I mean, I'm on a mission to change that. Do not get me wrong. And one of the reasons I love what I do is I'm creating a mechanism for some extraordinary leadership to happen. And one of the pieces of extraordinary leadership is to still keep praising and giving positive feedback at all layers and all levels. And not just at the top, which is what generally happens when we're stressed, when we're time poor, only giving feedback that's negative. I often say to executives, silence means you're doing a great job. If you're getting feedback, it's quite often because something's going wrong. (laughs) great leaders, trying you both, it's not always possible. And I think it takes an awful lot of time and presence, which a lot of executives have not trained themselves to do. It's hard work at that level with all the other responsibilities you have. As I said, we're going to change that, right? But if you're in an executive position, you may well be aware that the only feedback you get is bad feedback. That plays out lower down as well. Now, lower down the ladder, your manager has likely been told to give positive feedback. And so they may well be more open to looking for outcomes, but they still can't see everything you do. Quite frankly, a good boss doesn't have time to know everything you do. You don't want them micromanaging you, (laughs) right? If you've experienced micromanagement, you know how terrifying and awful it is, how bad it is for productivity, how bad it is for everybody's mental health. It is a terrible thing. The reason we all fall into micromanagement at times, and I'm Yet to meet a leader who is really, really self-aware and honest with themselves, who hasn't fallen for the trap of micromanagement. I'm genuinely, I don't know such person. I have. I think it's it comes from an anxiety thing. We first start realizing we need to keep our finger on the pulse much more. Um, we get anxious around not knowing what's going on. Maybe we've got somebody underperforming. And we we just, you know, contract our sphere around a person, around a team, around a business unit. Yes, I have seen micromanagement at the executive level and it's horrifically bad. I've actually experienced that one firsthand, which is very, very uncomfortable. And we do that. That is the only time a manager knows everything you're doing. And even then, you likely keep a few cars close to your chest because it's like a safety mechanism for your own mental health, right? If that's the only time that your boss knows all your outcomes, flip that around. 
If you have a great relationship with your manager and you are not telling them all the things you're achieving, including the minutiae, (laughs) how can you possibly expect them to notice how great you are and promote you? Just going to put that one out there. Hopefully wakes you up a little bit. (laughs) When we aren't tooting our own horn, when we aren't saying, hey, look at me, we're actually damaging our own credibility because it diminishes over time. Credibility is not static. In the same way that I talk about trust not being static, executive presence is not static. Those things are all related, by the way. Your credibility, your trust, they both build your executive presence. They are not static. If you leave them alone, they diminish. You have to always be working at them, right? Your credibility in particular, if you aren't sharing what you've done, what you've achieved, some great outcomes, it, your credibility is just, people are sitting there thinking, what have they done recently? I've not had information. Things come out the other end, but is everything okay back there? <laughs> um, I'm actually at the moment listening to the audiobook Leading Up by Michael Useem. I have no idea if I'm saying that surname correct, but U-S-E-E-M in case you want to go Google it. I'm reading a couple of chapters in and recommended by one of the members of my academy, by the way. Um, oh, please come join us in Lit Up Leadership Academy, by the way. We share things like this. We share books to read. Uh, we share key insights from what we've learned recently. So it isn't just about me training and coaching everybody. This is just a fabulous community of knowledge exchange. One of the other ladies in there has just completed her first 30 days and she was sharing like key takeaways, like building on the training that she's had from me and the coaching of like how to get through your first 30 days and set yourself up for the first 90 in total. And she's just added to it. She's like, in addition to this, I've done this, this and this. And it's just such a great resource. So do not forget to check out the Academy. Go to tonycollis.com forward slash Academy. But when I was listening to this book, it became very clear to me that one of the things we need to do to lead up, which is different from managing up, I'm not going to go into that today, but it is, When we lead up, one of the key things we have to do is information exchange. It is saying these are the key things going on. These are the key responsibilities. These are why they're important. And this is what we're achieving as a result. That applies to you as much as to your team, to your business unit. You have to take ownership because when you don't take that, your credibility suffers. If you talk yourself down, others are going to believe you too. This is actually one of the reasons why imposter syndrome is so damn damaging. And I've actually managed staff in the past where their imposter syndrome, which was acknowledged in senior leadership, was actually used as a reason why somebody shouldn't be promoted. Um, This person was stopped from going to conferences. Um, As her manager, I was advocating for her and my skip boss said to me, we can't send her to a conference because her imposter syndrome is so sky high, she's just going to stand in a corner and we're not going to get value for money. And then later on, that was used as a reason not to promote her because she can't represent the company. She was doing the work of that next level and she wasn't getting promoted because of her imposter syndrome. When we talk ourselves down, one of two things happens. People believe you, right? That's damaging, really, really damaging. And the other is people will see imposter syndrome and don't know what to do about it best case scenario they send you to somebody like me (laughs) I'm actually coaching a cohort of women right now from a company and the company is really surprised at the fact that basically all of them have imposter syndrome it astonishes me that in this day and the age companies are still surprised by the prevalence of imposter syndrome 90% of the human race experiences it 
I actually think it's 100. I just think 10% aren't aware, right? It's not all the time. It's not consistent. It ebbs and it flows, but it's there. It's, it's, I would say it's a human condition and it's really damaging. And yet most people are not aware of it. If you talk yourself down, you can be pretty safe that everybody's going to take that at face value, my love. So we need to tackle that. <laughs> we really, really need to do. To be put brutally, if you don't speak up, you are not going to be heard. I feel like I'm stating the obvious there, but I think we need to state the obvious because so many of us do not celebrate openly what we've achieved. We downplay our abilities. If you do that, nothing is going to change. If you hide your talents, they will stay hidden forever. When we downplay, we risk the opportunity to actually grow and nurture our talents because not only are we downplaying, we're downplaying and reinforcing our own imposter syndrome. You might not think that as you're doing it, but that is going on. The more we do this, the more in tune with this is how I need to behave happens. The more people expect that from you as well. And the harder it is to break the cycle. Now, if you've been doing this for a long time, we can still break the cycle, right? I don't want you to feel too disheartened. But if you're listening to this and thinking, I've been downplaying myself in this new role and I feel a little bit uncomfortable and mm, is this a good idea? It's not a good idea. <laughs> All right, it's time to break that cycle right now before it gets any worse. But if instead you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh gosh, you know what? I've been downplaying myself for years. We need to do something about that, which we're going to come to in a moment. If your career is stagnant, quite often... Career stagnation is a symptom of not openly celebrating what you do and what you achieve. Now, what can you do to break this cycle? First things first, if you're a manager, there's actually quite an easy and less uncomfortable way to break this cycle, which is to celebrate your team's achievements more. Do this for your team as much as for you. So in a meeting with your peers and with your boss, Get used to declaring all the great things that your team has done. We have, we have, we have. Make them quantifiable as much as possible. Quantifiable impact is also essential for promotion, getting that new job. I talk about this all the time with my clients is you need to talk about the impact you've had quantifiably. You need to say, I've achieved this many millions of dollars in this many years. I've been responsible for this, it drove this much revenue or we grew our market share by this much, or I delivered this product to market that's going to impact this many people. You need quantifiable results. But if you can, you want those week by week. If you're in software development, you definitely want those sprint by sprint, even if you don't do them week by week. All my clients know that the first thing I ask them on any of our group calls, and I like to do it even on our one-on-one -on -one calls, is what are you celebrating this week? What are you celebrating this month? What have you achieved? <laughs> I stole this from my coach, um, she asked me that every single week without fail. And when I first started doing this with her, it was really hard. I'm like, I can't, there's nothing to celebrate this week. And now I've got so good at it. I typically aim for three things every week. They will be tiny. They will be small. But you know what it's done? It's done two very important things. It shifted my mindset. I now see more optimism. I see things more optimistically all the time because I'm always looking for what went well what, what should I be acknowledging has gone well rather than always thinking I haven't done all these things, which is what we tend to focus on, right? The other thing I've done is it's created more opportunities for me. Now, I'm my own boss. I am a CEO, but actually being open and honest with myself about what has gone well, I think 
my brain is more focused on how to have more of that stuff rather than dismissing it and focusing on what's wrong, focusing on the gap, not the gain. So actually just choosing to reflect more positively on yourself has a massive benefit. Then if you share that, even better. In addition to sharing with your peers and your boss, just in a team update, hey, so we've achieved this, this, and this this week, here's where we're at. That's actually a really positive way to give the update you probably give right now. You probably give an update. But I mean, I fell into this trap earlier in my career. I used to only give exception updates because I thought that's what bosses wanted. And certainly as a boss myself, I was like, I don't want to know all the minutiae. I do though now I know more with, as a leader because it's good for morale and it also makes me feel more comfortable. When my team doesn't give me an update for a couple of months, and my team is amazing. They work like a well-oiled machine. I am so damn lucky to work with them. I really am. But every now and then I'm like, I just want to know that everything's going well. Whereas if they are just coming to me and say, hey, we've achieved this, this, and this this week, I don't have to prompt them for, how's that big project coming along? Are we going to hit the deadline? <laughs> it just is going to happen. And it feels so much better when we work that way. So that's one reason to share it with your boss and your peers, especially peers that you collaborate with. They want to know that what they're relying on coming down the pipeline is en route, is on the way. And it also gives an opportunity for them to say, hey, we've had a change here. Can we can we have a chat with you about how that's going to impact our work? It just opens the door to those conversations, which reduces rework later on. That's a tangent benefit. The other way I want you to do this if you're a manager is to do it with your team. In the same way that I do it when I'm coaching, what are you celebrating? What if you started a culture in your team and if you've got direct reports, you have direct reports. Maybe you cascade this down. What if you started a culture of what went well this week? Share with us what went well. You're going to create a lot more optimism if you do that. You then need to give plenty of space for what didn't go well. But because you are doing both what went well and what didn't, you're creating that expectation. You're normalizing talking about achievement in a positive sense. You're normalizing bringing the good stuff to the table as well as the bad stuff. You're also actually going to be better because the people that report into you who aren't tooting their own horn, which I know we're talking about your horn today, but <laughs> assume that many of your direct reports aren't doing this too, especially if they're women, they are just less likely to because of cultural expectations. Again, I hope that's changing and I hope you have women with you who do toot their own horn, but the statistics suggest otherwise. Um, but you're going to break that stigma. You're going to break that cycle and you're going to reinforce, let's celebrate more. There will be plenty of time to get to what's going wrong, I promise you. That's not going away. Okay, back to you though. I want you to start learning to be your own cheerleader. I want you to be confident talking about your abilities, the opportunities that are coming next. The more you talk about your achievements, the more confident you're going to be that opportunities are going to come your way, bizarrely as well. Like Our brains are just wired that way. When we focus on what's wrong, we turn into a downward spiral. We can't see the opportunities coming. When we focus on what's going well, we are more likely to see the opportunities. You're also going to be setting an example for your team. I think it's really powerful to share stories to highlight achievements. So you can actually share the road you took to get to where you are, especially the ups and downs. That's going to share so much of the reality of what you've achieved, which your boss needs to hear, right? Bosses are notorious, and I share in this. <laughs> for underestimating how hard something is, especially if we've never done the job. But even if we've done the job that you've, you're doing, a boss 
forgets very quickly. We're all guilty of this. I can guarantee you're guilty of this. Maybe you've just learned to adjust for it. But we're all guilty of assuming that the person doing it can do it faster. Because one, the further along, um, the longer it's been since we did that job, the more our time warps and the more we forget actually the complexity of solving those problems. But secondly, the point where you stopped doing that job, you were a true expert, which is why you got promoted. That person, unless they're about to be promoted, is not as good at that job as you were when you got promoted because otherwise they would be being promoted, right? (laughs) So assume that they need more time. So if we can give the story around our achievements, the complexity of the problem, we start giving enough context to our bosses for why something is worth celebrating, even though it took longer than maybe they thought. It also helps everybody understand the reality of the situation, why it's a big deal, why it took the time it did, It just is a great way for people to learn from you if you can share that story. And hopefully your team is going to learn from this as well. Now, I do want you to own your own achievements, but I also think it's worth lifting up your team and sharing your team achievements. A lot of people get criticized here for only talking about team achievements as their own. I think this is more prevalent in men than in women. I'm just going to put that broad brush out there. massive generalization I know um in general I have a problem with women owning the achievements of their team at all they're like I can't talk about that in an interview because that's not mine I'm like it's your team you should be talking about this in an interview you're being interviewed for a leadership position you need to demonstrate that your teams deliver more than one human can possibly do so it's worth really getting used to sharing your team's achievements it's really good for your team too I also want you to just take a moment and ask yourself, are you uncomfortable getting praise? If you're like me, or at least who I was a few years ago, you squirm when somebody says, oh my God, that was amazing. How did you do that? Tell us more. And you sort of flip it off. You'll be like, oh, it's not such a big deal. It's not, no, it's, ooh. (laughs) I don't know what that ooh is. I don't know what I say in that instance, but I definitely downplay my achievements, or at least I used to. I have learned to metaphorically sit on my hands and just nod and say thank you. You need to learn how to get comfortable with receiving praise. The first step is to sit on your emotional hands, shut your mouth and only open it again when you're able to say thank you and smile. (laughs) Right. And the first for me, like dozen, two dozen times I did that. Oh my God. I was just like a hot mess inside. Now it's normal. I actually enjoy receiving praise for the first time in my life. Yes, it's taken to the age of nearly 39 (laughs) to get to the point where I'm comfortable receiving praise. And even now, some things trigger me. I haven't quite worked out the pattern. And it's, it's so damaging when we do downplay it. We reject actually receiving the praise and we're less likely to receive the praise in the future. We're actually less likely to receive things like promotions, because the person learns that we don't want that. We're uncomfortable. We have imposter syndrome. And as you've already heard, imposter syndrome is actually used as a reason not to promote people, as heartbreaking as that is. One thing I would totally advocate doing, by the way, is to also track your achievements. So I have a tracker. I use a spreadsheet. It's not rocket science. (laughs) It's just a spreadsheet. It's called my success log. And I simply put in there every single week, I have a check in with myself. What am I celebrating? That's it. If I have data... This really applies if you are working and you're thinking about getting a promotion one day. 
you should put the data in there. So you might be release this product to market on such a date. And then a month later, you might be like, that product got, you know, how many sales is being used by this many customers. Maybe you work in customer success, at which point maybe you've been tasked with implementing a new customer success model and you implement it. And then, you know, you get some data a few months down the line that you're like, okay, we've hit the metrics or maybe you've exceeded the metrics that needs to go in your success log. Saving money, sales, marketing, new market shares, anything that's going to hit the business bottom line is crucial. Anything that improves productivity, anything that saves time and energy and workforce, all those kinds of things, try and quantify them as you go along. You should be quantifying them for your boss. So then document it for yourself. So when you are next writing your resume, preparing for interview, preparing a promotion case, you're not sat there with a blank page thinking, what have I done for the last three years? I have no idea. (laughs) All right. I would definitely start with a success log. Okay, I've talked a lot today about the implications and what goes wrong when we don't celebrate ourselves, when we don't toot our own horn. And I've also talked about how it can be detrimental for years and years of our career. It amplifies time after time because we just stop getting promoted. It reinforces our imposter syndrome. Um, And how this impacts our mental health, our career, our recognition, promotion opportunities. And actually, one thing I haven't touched on is how when we don't celebrate ourselves, actually damages the opportunities of those around us and our team as well. That's a really, really big one. And I think the other thing is this really damages the business too. If you aren't celebrating and you aren't sharing your ideas because of your celebrations openly, you are the expert of what you do. That's why you're in the role you're in, which means the company is lacking your expertise and insights simply because you're not saying, hey, we've achieved this. Isn't this great? I've seen it manage to impact the ability to open new doors for verticals, horizontals, collaborations, partnerships, because you're not sharing how great the work you're doing is and the impact it's creating. When we don't share the impact we're creating, the business may be like, oh, let's not go down that avenue. Let's not look at that horizontal. I don't think that collaboration is worth taking the effort because you are not legitimately sharing how great your work is. Don't get me wrong. Some of that's on your boss too. Your boss should be making sure they have the metrics sometimes they don't even know that the metrics exist if you're not talking about them though that's your job especially if you're a leader okay as always let's finish up with a mindset moment how can you start tooting your own horn how can you start talking about how great you are the key thing here lean into the facts of the situation It's easy to diminish what we've done by adding adjectives to describe and diminish our contributions. So instead, focus on the facts. You want to do this anyway, right? This is actually going to really help you, as we've talked about, in terms of your authority as a credible leader. Certainly in your resume, your LinkedIn profile, you need facts. But it's also much better to practice this when we learn to talk about ourselves. I'm also a big advocate for practicing speaking out loud before the situation. If you've ever been in a meeting and think, oh gosh, I can't, I can't speak up. I was going to say this and I can't. I want you to walk around the house telling yourself it <laughs> before you turn up to that meeting. It sounds so bonkers, but actually just learning how to vocalize what you've written down, just practicing is going to make it so much easier to raise your hand in that situation. You likely already deal with data day to day. We are in tech after all, right? 
but get used to focusing on the data that's contributing to your achievements. The percentages, the changes, and then there's also some qualitative stuff. What people are saying to you, how things feel to those around you and the feedback you're getting. One of the things I put in my success log is screenshots from the women I coach. When they tell me how great it is to be coached by me or when they've had a major breakthrough because of the work I'm doing with them. Yes, that's their achievement. But part of that achievement is mine too, because I've helped them get there. You need to do the same thing with your work. Yes, your team delivered this thing, but you're their leader. Share that, own it, screenshot it, keep those words and use those next time you need to pick me up. All right, that's everything until next time on Leading Women in Tech. Do remember to make sure you've subscribed. And if you love this, I would really appreciate it if you share this with another woman in tech you know who could benefit from learning how to toot her own horn just a little bit. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.